good day and welcome to our Bible study. We're going to continue on today in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Today we're going to be covering verses 28 through 44. The title of today's lesson is that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Let's go back to last week and quickly review what we learned last week. Last week we seen where Jesus had gotten word that Lazarus was, was sick. He stayed where he was for a couple of more days. Then he finally tells his disciples, let's go back. So they go back towards Bethany. But as he's going back towards Bethany, right, and we know that Bethany's on the Mount of Olives. Bethany means the house of the afflicted, the house of the poor. He's going back to resurrect, resurrect Lazarus, his friend. Martha gets word that he's coming back. So she goes out to meet him. In other words, she leaves her house and she goes out and, and, and Jesus is right outside of Bethany and they have this discussion and they meet. And Jesus is telling her, I'm going to resurrect your brother, right? But she doesn't really understand what Jesus is talking about because she says, I know my brother will be resurrected, but on the last day. See, she still lacks faith in her understanding of the resurrection, right? She needs assistance. But you know, sometimes we all need assistance with this, right? Because sometimes our faith lacks in certain areas of our lives, depending on what's going on with us, right, at the time. But Jesus goes on to tell her, right? Anyone who believes in me, although they die, they're going to live forever. See, he's speaking eternally. He's speaking about the kingdom of God. When someone dies, right, if you're a believer, then you're going into the kingdom of God. And you're going to be in the presence of our Lord there forever. Amen. And this is life, right? However, for those unbelievers, those who don't come to faith in Jesus, those who don't believe in him, those who don't put their trust in him and faith in him, well, they're going to be going to the lake of fire. And that means you're separated from God for eternally, forever. And this is the second death. See, we're all going to die. We're not getting out of this life without dying, unless, unless the rapture of the church happens before, obviously, right? But we can't escape that second death. And how do you escape that second death? Is by having a relationship with Jesus, by knowing him, by, by believing in him, right? Believing that he is the Messiah, believing that he died on the third day he rose again. That he, he, he stayed 40 days on earth after his resurrection, but he ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, amen? So in today's lesson, we're going to see this great miracle take place that had never taken place before. Here it is. Jesus is showing himself again that he's God in the flesh. And I'm speaking about the resurrection of his friend, Lazarus. So let's open up our Bibles, starting in verse 28 in John chapter 11. And verse 28 begins like this. After she had said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside. And she said, the teacher is here and he is asking about you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house confronting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her. Supposedly, she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her was also weeping, he was moved deeply in spirit and he was troubled. Where have you laid him? He, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they, they said. 
and Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, do not, could not he open the eyes of the blind, but yet kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in, in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now let's go back up to verse 28. Verse 28, after she had said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside. Now, if you look at that first text, after she had said this, remember what we just talked about in the last lesson. Martha was in this conversation with Jesus. And remember what Jesus told her. Jesus told her in that conversation. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, right? And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha answered Jesus then, yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the Messiah. I do believe that you are the Son of God who came into this world. So she's, she's in a conversation. So after she has this conversation with Jesus and Jesus tells her all this, right? The scripture tells us here that she went back to Bethany and she called her sister Mary, but she called her aside, meaning this, that she spoke to Mary in secret, like secretly away from everybody else. Because remember who was there, the Judeans, the Jews, meaning the religious leaders. And she pulled her aside away from the religious leaders, the Judeans, the Jews, and she speaks to her privately and secretly. And she, look what she tells her. She says, the teacher is here, and he's asking about you. So she lets Mary know that Jesus is now here, and that Jesus wants to see Mary. Verse 29, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went. Now, notice what she did. She responded right away. You see, she received a call from Jesus, and she did not wait. She went quickly to answer that call, to answer him, right? To answer our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah. She didn't delay, right? She didn't delay because it was from God. So she didn't delay of the things of God. And the same holds true for us today, right? Because we need to respond with urgency because the things of God are important. And they're important, and understand this, they're not only very important, they're temporal in this age. And we need to respond to that when we hear God calling us to do something, when we hear the Holy Spirit leading us and directing us and to do something. Because if we don't act in that moment, then that moment passes and it may never come again in this age. Amen? Now, let me ask you this question here, right? What about you? 
Are you doing the same as Mary? Are you responding to the call that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, has put upon you right now? You see, if you know that God is calling you to do something, amen, then don't delay. You need to get up. You need to do it quickly. You need to do exactly what Mary did, amen? Verse 30. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. <clears throat> so we see here that Jesus is not inside the village. He's right outside of Bethany. And it's the same place that he had this conversation when, when, when he and Martha was speaking and Jesus was telling, him, telling her that he is the life, he is the resurrection, right? That anyone who believes in him will never, will never die, will, will live on forever, even though they die. He's saying physically you're going to live on forever, eternally, right? Because you believe in him. So he's at the same place, 31, verse 31. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, confronting her, notice how quickly she got up and went. They followed her. <clears throat> Supposedly, she was going to the tomb to mourn there. So again, this word Jews or Judeans, when you see that in your Bible, that's speaking about the religious leaders. So we see that the religious leaders are at her house. They're at the house. They're comforting her, right? They're comforting the family. But when they see after her and, and Martha, Martha pulls her aside in secret. She hurry up. She gets up and she runs out the house. She sees how quickly Mary responded. They're curious. So what they do, they follow her. And they really believe that she's going to the tomb to mourn. Now remember, Jesus is back. He's right outside of Bethany, right? He's, he's around, not in, at the tomb, but he's around the tomb in that area where, where they buried Lazarus. So when Mary, in verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Now notice what she does. She falls at the feet of Jesus, and this is exactly what everyone will do one day. They will bow before Yeshua. They will bow before Jesus, right? We also see the word Lord because she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This word Lord is showing respect. It's saying you my master, you my savior, right? She says, if you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. Now you, she has faith in Jesus. She knows that he's the Messiah. But the faith that she has, it's not perfect faith. But you know, we, we all don't have perfect faith. Because at times we do doubt. At times we fall short of truly trusting and having faith in Jesus wholeheartedly when problems arrive in our, in our lives, right? I mean, we're human. And this is showing us here that although she knows that Jesus is the Messiah, she, she still lacks a little bit of faith. Why do I say that? Well, let's continue on. You're about to see because this is all about the resurrection. They know that he's the Messiah, but they really don't understand that he is the resurrection. And they're about to find out, right? So <clears throat> she knew that if Jesus would have been there, right, that Jesus would have healed her brother. So she, she has that faith right there. She knows that. However, she really didn't believe that Jesus could bring him back to life. She didn't really believe that Jesus could resurrect him, right? But this is why he came into this world. Jesus came into this world to give us all victory over death, amen? 
to resurrect us to eternal life, to the kingdom of God, right? To resurrect us, we could say from what? From sin, from the bondage of sin. Hallelujah. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her was also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. So what do we get from this verse? This verse tells us right here that Jesus doesn't like to see people sad. Why? Because Jesus is the hope and Jesus wants to give us hope. He wants to remove all that sadness, right? All that fear, all the trouble, all the anxiety, right? All that depression from us, right? Now, I want you to understand something here. One of the things that we need to guard against in this world, in every situation that we come upon, right, that may be troubling to us, that, that maybe we don't understand, is complaining. We should never complain. Now, why do I say this? Because biblically speaking, there's a relationship between complaining and sadness and complaining and anger. You see, God does not like complaining. He doesn't look, he, he doesn't. And how do I know that? Because if you go back to the book of Numbers, specifically in chapter 11 in the book of Numbers, the Israelites are complaining. And they're constantly complaining, right? They have left Egypt. They had been in bondage for 400 years, 420 years. God frees them through Moses, right? Moses, a dichotomy of Jesus. He frees the Israelites from the bondage of slavery, which Jesus frees us from the bondage of slavery through sin, right? Because he gets rid of sin. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he died for us at Calvary. He was nailed to that piece of wood, right? To free us. But the Israelites, as they go into the wilderness, right? As God's leading them to the promised land, all they do is murmur and they complain and they complain and they complain. And what happens? God's wrath, his judgment came upon them. And, and we see in Numbers chapter 11 that many people died. They were consumed by the fires of Almighty God. So it's a lesson to us that we should never complain in this life. Instead of complaining, turn that complaining into praise and worship towards God the Father, through His Son, Jesus. Amen? Turn that complaining into joy, into hope, because that's what Jesus is about. He gives us hope. Hallelujah. He gives us peace. Amen. Verse 34. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. And they said, come and see Lord. Now again, Lord, showing respect, saying, you my master, you my savior, you my redeemer, right? That's what they're saying here. Jesus says, where have you laid him? So Jesus is asking him a question. Where is Lazarus buried, right? See, he wants to go to the tomb because he wants to perform this great miracle, this resurrection, right? And they say, come and see, Lord. So they answer him. They obey him. And they say, Lord, come and see, showing respect. Verse 35. So Jesus goes to the tomb and verse 35 says this, that Jesus wept. Now, this is one of the shortest verses in the whole entire Bible. Jesus wept. Two words. See, when Jesus approaches the tomb, the Bible tells us that Jesus cried. He's sad. Now, remember, he doesn't want you to be sad. But here Jesus is showing us that he's sad. Why? Because remember, he's God, but he's also what? He's also man. 
He's also human. And, and because we man, we have human affections, human feelings. And that's what Jesus is showing us here, right? Now, I want you to understand this also. That Jesus is showing us this because he wants to change this grief into joy. And we need to understand that the same promise that he's showing us here is still available to us today. Hallelujah. Right? You see, with God, all things are possible. And that's the attitude that we need to have in this life. In every situation that we face. That all things are possible through God and with God. And we need to trust and believe in his plan for us. And that situation that you're going through today, put your trust and faith in him. And know that all things are going to work for your good. Because God, through his son Jesus, has a plan. And it might not be how you want it to be. But if you fully trust in him and commit to him and put your faith in him, then you know whatever the outcome is, is for the best because it's what God wants for you. Amen. See, God, Jesus right here, he, he takes away tears of sorrow. And he turns those tears of sorrow into what? Tears of joy. Hallelujah. Right? He See, Jesus has the power to make change in our lives. This is what he was brought here for. To free us from the bondage of sin from the slavery of sin so we can have a relationship with him so we can trust and believe in him and take all our fears and anxieties right our sadness our grief and turn them into joy turn them into hope and that hope is through him hallelujah verse 36 then jesus said then then the jews i'm sorry then the jews said in verse 36 see how he loved him so right here it tells us that the jews noticed how much Jesus cared for Lazarus, that he was his best friend. But we're going to see. Although the Jews say this right here, see how much he loved him? The Jews are going to make the wrong conclusion. They're going to make, they're not going to make the right decisions here. Why do I say that? Because look at verse 37. But some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind? but yet kept this man from dying. See, here's the objective here, right? They're saying he, meaning Jesus right here, that Jesus could did all these great miracles and all these great wonders, that he opened the eyes of the blind, but yet he couldn't save his best friend. He couldn't do anything about it. But you see, this isn't the case at all. That we need to understand Messiah. We need to understand the time of Messiah here, right? We, we need to understand the proper expectations that we should have about Messiah, about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But you see, here's the problem. Today, a lot of people, they say they have faith. They think they have faith. And because they say that and because they think that, right, they think that because they're a believer in Christ, that that. Jesus himself, God Almighty, will, will help them and take things away from them. Meaning what? Let me give you an example. If someone's sick or you sick, and you say, I'm a believer and I trust Jesus, right? I pray to Jesus. and Well, if you pray, you pray for healing, obviously, if you're sick. 
But here's the problem, right? You want it to be solved all at once. And sometimes our Lord and Savior doesn't work that way, right? So what the scripture is telling us here is that sometimes we need to experience the full outcome of Satan's attack, right? In other words, the world that we live in, it's evil. The world that we live in is, although God is on the throne, his son Jesus seated at the right hand father, this world is controlled by Satan because God allows him to. That's the first thing, right? But we need to understand as believers that we might go through heartache, we might go through pain, and, and, and maybe God's allowing that, right? Maybe to strengthen your faith, maybe to get you closer to him. But we need to realize if we're a believer that this happens on this earth, but it's not going to happen in the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is to come, amen? So what causes him, right? Let's go back to this passage, a few verses. What causes him to cry? The consequence of sin. You see, Jesus is able to restore us back to the promises of God. That's why he went to the cross. So just because someone's sick, just because you're sick, just because you maybe you didn't recover or, or some a loved one didn't recover doesn't mean that God wasn't present in that situation. No, not at all. The scripture speaks very loudly against this false theology that many people believe because I'm a believer, good things are going to happen to me and only good things because God's going to protect me from that. No. See, you may be sick. A loved one may be sick. A loved one may die, right? And, and you didn't pray for that, right? But it happened. See, we're all going to die. Like I said before, unless the rapture happens before we physically die. But, but, but none of this goes against the teachings of what the scripture says. You see, God is a God of restoration. And ultimately, right, we're going to see this restoration. And where are we going to see this resurrection take place? It's going to be in the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be in the kingdom of God at the end. Amen. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. So we see that as he approaches the tomb, that Jesus is very sad here. It was a cave with a stone laid across its entrance. So the scripture tells us here that Jesus is laid in a cave, and there's a huge stone that's rolled right in front of the entrance of this cave. Verse 39, Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. So Jesus tells them when they reach the cave where Lazarus is laid, he says, roll back the stone, roll back that big stone. Now, he had already told the sisters that he is the resurrection and that he is the life. In other words, he's telling them that he has power over death. But what do we see here? What do we find here in this scripture? He's giving them an example of what he just said. He says, roll back the tomb because I'm going to resurrect your brother. That's what's fixing to take place here. The resurrection of Lazarus. But you see, everyone present there does not expect this to take place. Not one of them believed that this is going to happen. He tells them, remove the stone. And look what Martha says. But Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor. 
because he had been in the tomb for four days. So we see here that Martha tells Jesus, why do you want to roll back the stone? That's what she's saying. I mean, there's no need to roll back the stone, Lord, because he's been dead for four days, right? He as there's going to be a bad odor. You don't want to do that. So again, this just proves that she didn't understand the kingdom of God from a resurrection standpoint at this time. She knows, she believes and that her brother will be resurrected, but she's thinking on the last day. She's not thinking right at this moment. But look what Jesus tells her in verse 40. Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now let's talk a little bit about the glory of God, God's glory here, right? There's a connection between the glory of God and the purposes of God. You see, you will never experience, or someone, should I say, will never experience God's glory unless what interests you are a part of his purposes. I want you to hear that again. You will never experience God's glory unless what interests you are a part of his purposes and plans. Now, this is the problem with many people today, many people, especially preachers today, and I'm, I'm speaking about prosperity preachers, right? See, what they say and what they preach isn't in line with the truth of God, isn't in line with the word of God. I mean, there's people that fill churches, right, of 20,000 people, 40,000 people or whatever. Because they think that God will fulfill their own desires, their own wants. They think that God will give them what they want. Right? They think, I have this dream, and it's okay to dream. And the Bible tells us it's okay to ask God for anything. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get it. Because if it's not according to his plans and purposes, if it's not according to his will, then he won't give it to you. Right? But they think that I have this dream, I have this hope, I have this desire, and that God's going to answer me. And God's going to give me what I want. That's, this is not scriptural. I mean, the Bible does say ask for anything, but that doesn't mean you're going to get it. Because if it's not in God's will and purposes, he won't allow it. If it's going to harm you down the road, he won't give it to you. And most of the time, that's what happens. He doesn't give people what they want. He doesn't give people that because they want fleshly stuff. They want material stuff. They want things of this earth. And Jesus in the scripture tells us over and over, this earth will pass away. Amen. This earth really is not important. But what's important is where you're going next in the kingdom of heaven if you're a believer or the lake of fire if you're an unbeliever. So what he's saying in this passage is this, that if you want to see the glory of God, that you have to have a kingdom perspective. But you see, they didn't. Especially the religious leaders here, right? They're only thinking of fleshly deeds. They're, they're sinful. And we're all sinful, right? That's why Jesus came, to give us hope, to get rid of that sin. And to get rid of that sin by believing in Him and trusting in Him. That He is the resurrection, that He is the life. That anyone who believes in him, although they die, they live forever. But here they have a sinful perspective. Now, what do I mean by that? When he says, remove the stone from the tomb, remove it away from the cave. 
what was said. Well, you, you, you can't do this because he's been dead for four days. There's an odor. It's going to stink. In other words, it's going to stink. Why? Because of the consequences of sin. But you see, this is why Jesus came. He came to overcome the consequences of sin in this world. And how does he do this? By his resurrection, by resurrecting people, by believers in him, by resurrecting them into the kingdom of God. So he, right here, he's given us hope of a future that he wants us to have. But you see here, these people present at the cave didn't understand this at this time. Verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So we see that they obeyed Jesus because they moved the stone. So they, they obeyed him, which tells us that we need to walk in obedience to the Father. That if you're spending time in prayer, if you're listening to that small voice of the Holy Spirit, that we need to obey him. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, see, he's given thanks to his Father, which, which is a reminder to us and a great example to us that we should always give thanks to our Father, which is in heaven. No matter the situation, no matter what we're going through in our life today, we need to give thanks to the Lord. We need to put it in his hands. We need to trust and commit to him. We must, we must be trustworthy of him with our full obedience, knowing that he has the situation in the palm of his hand, that he has it under control. And once we do that, there's a peace and a joy and a comfort that should come upon us knowing that God has our back. Knowing that the rock that stands firm in the middle of the storm, you on and you holding on to, that rock that never waves, that rock that never moves, that, he's, that you will get through this storm that you're going through today. Hallelujah. Verse 42. I knew that you always hear me, he says. But I said this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. I knew that you always hear me, he says. See, God always hears our prayers. He always hears the things that we say. He's never, there's never a blind eye or a deaf ear with God. He sees, he knows, and he hears us. Look what Jesus says. But I said this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. See, over and over throughout the Gospels, we see this phrase that you have sent me, that you have sent me. This means that he's under the authority of Almighty God, his Father. That, that he has, that God the Father gave him the, the power. And that power is manifesting, manifesting in him. But it's through the Father. You see, the two sisters didn't quite get this. They didn't understand this. They say, and they know, I believe in you. I know that you're the Messiah, but they have no clue about this resurrection power that Jesus has. They knew about the resurrection. They knew the resurrection is going to take place, right? In Judaism, right, they believed it would happen, but it wouldn't happen not before the very end. Not at this time. So the sisters, they really don't understand at this time that the resurrection power that God the Father has given everything over to Jesus at this time to resurrect. Verse 43, when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
So Jesus commands Lazarus to rise, to come out of the tomb, right? See, we should have this expectation. We should know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, right? Just like when you go to bed at night, right? You go to bed at night thinking you're going to what? You're going to rise up in the morning. You're going to resurrect, right? You believe that. You think that. This is what should be taking place here, that Jesus is going to resurrect us, that Jesus is going to resurrect Lazarus, and he does, because he says, come out. And verse 44 tells us the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped in strips of linen. There was a cloth around his face. So we see that Lazarus was resurrected here, right? Now let's talk a little bit about this linen. Let's talk about this cloth, right, on Lazarus. See, at this time when someone died, they wrapped them in this linen. And they wrapped them from, from head to toe. In other words, they binded their feet, they binded their hands, right? Now, why is this so important? Why they did all of this, right? <clears throat> because the scripture is telling us here, in Judaism, in that culture, in that tradition, they did this because death relates to sin. And sin puts us in bondage. And this is why, or I could say this is why the process behind what they did and how they buried people took place. In other words, they would anoint a body when the body died. They would anoint it with oil. They would, they would put perfume on it so that person who was dead wouldn't smell right away. But after four days, well, well what would happen to that body? That smell would come back. The perfume and oil only lasted a couple of days. This is why the sisters kept saying, the body has been in the tomb for four days. It's going to smell. There's an odor. See, they had no expectation that Jesus was in charge of the situation. They had no expectation that he has resurrection power, that he, he can overcome anything in this life, all things. So what happened? They removed the stone. And when Jesus speaks in a loud voice, he, he commands Lazarus to come out. Lazarus, who had been dead for four days, walks out the tomb. His feet, his hands were bound up, right? His face was covered. His whole body was covered with this linen. Remember, they wrapped him up in linen. Why? Because of sin, right? Because death relates to sin. Keep that in mind. And look what Jesus says, the last half of that verse. Jesus says to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know what Jesus is showing us here in this scripture? He's showing us that because of the resurrection power, because he, resurrect, he resurrected Lazarus, right? That Lazarus is now free from the bondage of sin. And when you're a believer in Christ, when you know that he is the Messiah, when you understand and you truly know and believe that he died for you so you can overcome the bondage of sin, that's why he went to the cross at Calvary, right? Then you too will be resurrected into the kingdom of God where there will be no longer sin, where you're free from the bondage of sin and you live eternally with our Lord and our Savior. Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. We sure do appreciate you all tuning in this week. Go be a blessing for someone this week. Be a good disciple. Do what Jesus tells us to do, right? Go spread the word of the gospel. 
Tell people about the goodness of Jesus. Until next week, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. God bless.